Mark chapter 1, and we're going to read a couple of verses here. A short story, but a story that has so much in it. A story that you've read, and I'm sure it's been preached on many and many a time. But I want to come to this here this evening. And in Mark chapter 1, and we read at verse 40, down to 42, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, I will, be thou clean. As, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Father, we would ask now, Lord, as we would be settled before thee, that, Lord, you would speak into our hearts. Perhaps tonight there is one, Lord, that needs comforted, reminded of how the Lord can touch. We pray now, Lord, that you'll take away all distracting thoughts. If there's one that has come in with burdens and cares and considerations, might they be relieved of the worry for the moments that we have to enjoy the fellowship and the presence of Almighty God. We return thanks for already what has gone before as we have uplifted praise and thanksgiving and recognition of the Holy God, Almighty and Wonderful God. So, Father, settle us before thee as we ask in the Savior's name. Amen. I want us to look at five little points. don't know if I'll get into the sixth point. I do have six here, but... I'm watching the clock here. And I want us to look firstly at the seriousness of this situation. The sight of the Savior, the straight-to-the-point request, the significance of the touch, and the sight of the leper. There's five wee subtitles that I hope to cover here this evening. Now, I want you to do something for me. I know we're a wee bit into the meeting here. But you know what I want you to do? I want you to shake hands with somebody beside you. Or behind you or in front of you. Make sure you shake hands with somebody now. I'm up here all alone. I'm nobody shaking. <laughs> Good. Uh, there's a method to the madness now. <laughs> and we'll be coming to it shortly. <laughs> all right. So the seriousness of the situation, well, can I say to dear friends, there's nothing worse than leprosy. We don't often hear about it now in these modern times. In 1873, Gerhard Hansen, a specialist in medicine and disease worldwide, got into leprosy, examined it, did tests on various patients, did operations because he was a master surgeon and master consultant. And he really got into leprosy and found quite a lot out about it. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible affliction. And we know in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there were a lot of people who suffered leprosy. A dreadful, dreadful condition. In fact, so much so that the poor victim would so many, in many ways be isolated. I want you to turn with me here to the book of Leviticus. Just come with me to the book of Leviticus here, just to pick up here on how the, the victim and the poor soul was treated. Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 44. Or verse 43, just to get the context here. Then the priest shall look upon it, and behold, if the rising of the sore be white reddish in his bald head, or in his bald forehead, as the leprosy appeared from the skin of the flesh. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean! Unclean! All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp 
shall his habitation be. And if you were to go into that chapter and read it from the verse 1 all the way through, you will see the seriousness of the condition of leprosy, the precautions, the isolation, and everything that was in and around this disease. Dreadful. You know, Naaman was a mighty man, it says in Scripture. But he was a leper. He was a leper. There was that terminology there was that label. There was that description. Yes, no matter how mighty and valor man he was, he was a leper. Picture, if you can, and if you will, I don't know if you have seen photographs or images or documentaries on this dreadful, cruel, debilitating disease. But picture, if you can, in your mind right now, a colony of lepers. As they trudge along, their heads, their faces covered Their flesh is basically hanging off them. It's not a pretty sight. The smell certainly isn't pretty either. And occasionally the lead person in the colony would have a bell or some kind of an alarm to let people know that there was a colony of lepers heading through. A dreadful sight. A pitiful sight. The victim surely suffered. But it's an interesting disease. Many think that it was caused by an infection. What it actually, and what actually happened with leprosy was that the peripheral parts of the body started to lose their feel and their touch. Ears, eyes, and nose would be usually the first to go. The hands, the fingers, the feet, the legs, the eyebrows, the hair would start to come off. And what would happen is the body would not know any pain or any feeling. It could be that they could put their hand into a fire of coals and lift a coal out. And the hand would be on fire, but they wouldn't feel it. It could be that they could go into a pot of boiling water and wash their face with boiling water, scald the skin off to the skin's hang out, but they wouldn't feel it. They had absolutely no feeling. That was how the lepers were. And they were isolated. They were desolate. They were lonely. No friends. They were simply left to get along with the existence that they knew. Hopeless. Without any form of future at all. It's a serious situation here as we come across this story. It says here there came a leper. Now we don't know the name of this leper. We don't know really much about it. Has he broken free from a colony? We don't know. It just simply says that there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him. I'm often amazed at the word beseeching or beseech. Beseeching is going further than pleading. I watched a a, a film there not so long ago of, of a Chinese man and he was before the emperor and he had done some crime. And there he was at the feet of the emperor begging, begging for his life, pleading. He was beseeching the emperor. Tears were streaming down. Have mercy, have mercy. And the emperor looked at him as this man that was surely condemned for his crime was beseeching him. And the emperor did have mercy. His beseeching reached in. And this was the case here for this leper. This leper, in his serious state, in this serious situation, he has come before Christ, and he's beseeching Christ. I wonder, dear friends, when was the last time you and I besought Christ? There's a difference in drawing near to Christ. But there's a big difference to Beseeching Christ. Beseeching is going that little bit further in and drawing that little bit further near to the Savior. He's beseeching and he's kneeling. And he's getting straight to the point here. You know, when we see the sight of the Savior, as the Lord Jesus Christ comes here, 
How we've often considered and how we've often thought how the multitudes followed him, how they were with him, they, they were amazed, they gazed, they communed among each other. Who is this man? This man can, can still the storm. And this man can heal. This man can make the blind to see. This man can make the dead to live again. What a man this is. Behold him. And multitudes upon multitudes followed Christ. This leper, in some way or another, must have heard something. Something must have been related to him that Christ was a powerful man. That Christ could do something for him. You know, I am sure the sight of the Savior for this leper was going to make this leper say, this is going to be a day of change for me. I have heard that he can do this and he can do that and that he's done it for others. Can he do it for me? And here he comes, beseeching. And kneeling. Oh dear friend, maybe, maybe you feel that the Lord is not near to you. Maybe you feel in your situation tonight that the Lord's far away. I wonder, dear friends, if you were to beseech Him and kneel before Him and draw near and unburden that which is in your heart. This leper was beseeching. The sight of the Savior was sweet as he comes before him. He just gets straight to the point, doesn't he? You know, how often we read in conversations with Christ, men and women are straight to the point. No dilly-dallying. No English A-levels or degrees in literacy or language skills. Absolutely not. Uneducated men, base men, unclean women came face to face with Christ and were straight with the request. This leper got straight down to it. As he's beseeching him and kneeling, he says unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What about you and I, dear friends? Are we straight to the point with Christ? Or do we dilly-dally in prayer? How is our prayers? Do we struggle with our prayers? Always remember, dear friends, the Lord knows the very words before we utter them from our mouths. He's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-understanding, all-hearing. What a God. Beseeching him. Kneeling down. Straight to the point request. I wonder, dear friend, is there something that's in your heart that needs to be brought straight to the point? Is the devil saying to you, don't waste God's time? He has absolutely no interest in time for you. Don't you listen to that. That's a lie. God has every time for you, dear sister, dear brother. And he's always there. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He's there. And I wonder, would it be the case that maybe tonight that you'd be straight with the Lord? Whatever it is. It could be trivial. It could be serious. Be straight with the Lord. Oh, this leper, he didn't start to ask and say about the weather. He didn't say, Lord, where have you been? Where have you come from? He didn't say, that's a great crowd that's following you. You must be a mighty man. No, he got straight to the point. Think back to your salvation, dear friend. Think back to when the Holy Spirit was moving in and around you, convicting you of your sin, 
How did you go about asking Christ into your heart? Did you dilly-dally? Did you make a big elaborate prayer? No, you came simply in childlike faith. Straight to the point. Lord, please forgive me. I'm a sinner lost. Wash me in the cleansing stream. Think about it. Can you remember it? I trust and pray you can. It's your testimony. Never be ashamed to get up to give your testimony. And just as we were straight to the point when we asked Christ into our heart, listen, dear friends, it's still today that Christ, Christ will hear the straight to the point prayer. How many times we have seen it and read it in our Bibles. Oh, yes. The seriousness of the situation was serious. Leprosy was a dreadful thing. In actual fact, I was reading there this afternoon that I think yearly is about 200,000 cases of leprosy in faraway countries, Tanzania, the Philippines, away in the backs of Brazil. There's still outbreaks of it, but of course they have the medical way of treating it now with medicines and injections and creams and ointments. It wasn't the case in the days of the Bible. I'm sure the Lord Jesus Christ looked at this this desolate, desperate man. Those that were around probably started to get shocked and alarmed that Christ was even having time with them. But here, you know, dear friends, are the pictures and here are the examples for us, for you and me. Do you and I have time for the desperate? Do you and I have time for the desolate? Do you and I have time for the down and out? Dear friends, Christ had. And as followers of Christ, we ought to as well. I want to tell you, before I move on to the significance of the touch, which will be the main part of this little word tonight. Going over to Poland is a challenge. When we deal with street church on the Saturday afternoon when we have 250 dear people lining up to get something to eat. And they line up maybe two, three hours before we ever setting up the tents. In fact, when we were going to get the KFC chicken, we passed the people lining up. And I would say to my sons later, they're here early. He says, yes, sometimes they're earlier, Ronnie. And in October last year, I've been going over there for two and a half years, but in October I did something different. And I believe the Lord wanted me to do this. And there they were lined up, cold, cold Saturday afternoon. And I said to my son's daughter, she was a lady, Sylvia. I said, Sylvia, will you come with me? She says, where are we going? I said, Sylvia, we're going up the line here. And my brother came over and he says, Ronnie, be careful, be careful, be careful. Watch for the needles. And I went along there with Sylvia, she translated, and I shook the hand of every single one of them. And I didn't have a fear. It was only after I had done it that it started to hit me. What if, what if, what if? I saw hands with fingers off. I saw deformed hands. We had to be careful, you know, shaking hands with the deformed hands. Maybe it only you had maybe one or finger or thumb to grip. I saw hands twisted like this, twisted like that. I saw hands stained with nicotine. Men and women who maybe smoke a hundred cigarettes a day, one after another. I saw shaky hands, smelt the alcohol. I saw the results of drugs. I saw the arms with the pinholes in them from the needles. And I just went around them. I think the people were shocked. Because all they expected was me to be behind the tent and the shelter there and in a protected environment with the men around me. Tea machines, coffee machines, chicken being given out, the bread rolls, the soup. Come along, get your dish, you hear the word. Eat up. 
But they didn't expect this, and I didn't expect it either, because we were warned not to do this. But the Lord says, you go in there. Can I say to you, dear friends, the tears, the tears, and the embrace. I embraced men and women that hadn't changed their clothes in maybe seven, eight months, who were steeped in their urine. Men and women who doesn't have, don't have a roof over their head. Women with fleas in their hair. Lice. I wonder, dear friend, would you, along with me, do that? Christ did. These people were bad in their condition. But none of them had leprosy. None of them had rotting flesh. None of them had hoods over their faces so that people couldn't see them because they were that horrific. But Christ came to this leper. And Christ touched this leper. The significance of the touch. Verse 41 says these lovely words. And Jesus moved with compassion. Put forth his hand. And touched him. I want you to read that three or four times. Just in yourself there. And Jesus moved with compassion put forth his hand and touched him. Isn't that amazing? Remember, this is the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the one more royal and regal than her majesty. More entitled to any title, nor than any president, king or queen of this land, indeed of this world. The one that came down from the glory and splendor of heaven above. This is the one that's reaching out and touching this desperate, desperate creature. Moved with compassion. You know, there's a difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. If somebody's empathetic with you, well, they're trying. Don't be too hard on them now. There's a story unfolding down in Larn. Maybe some of you have picked up on it. It's tragic. It's terrible. We don't know what happened in that house. But there's a wee one away to the Lord's arms. There's another wee one fighting for its life. The Lord knows what happened to this dear woman. But we have empathy with her. Do you know why? Because empathy means that we try to imagine what has happened. We try. We don't know the circumstances. We draw near in our imagination. Christ isn't offering empathy here to this leper. Neither is he offering sympathy. Sympathy is slightly below compassion. You see, compassion is when one draws right in draws near to the situation. And not only that, but seeks to do something about it. Christ was the perfect, compassionate one. We very, sadly, we very rarely see compassionate people nowadays. They are about, but they're few and far between. But if you want an example of compassion and true compassion and perfect compassion, 
Well, then you go to your Bible and you will find Christ who is the true compassionate one. You know, you and I wouldn't have had time for the leper. I'm going to speak for you tonight. You can tell me at the door later if you would be different. But if if I had heard those bells, I'd have been over there, if they're there. I don't want leprosy. And I would say the disciples and a few of the others were sort of, well, here, hold on here. Christ had time for this leper. Not only had he time for him, but he was about to reach out and touch him. What a significant touch. I wonder, dear friend, have you benefited from the touch of Christ? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I think we all have. Times in our lives he has touched us with good health. Times in our lives he has touched us with his strength and support. He has touched us with his love. He has touched us with his company. And couldn't we go on with the examples of how he touches us? Where would we be without the touch of Christ tonight? We have been in an altogether dreadful state. I'm thankful for the touch of Christ in my life. Oh, can I say to you, dear friends, picture this touch. I was trying to think of of something that we could use as an illustration, and I go back to Princess Diana. And it was the time in the 80s when AIDS was in the world. And the adverts were on the television about AIDS. It was very strong television. And people were dying left, right, and center. Trust and pray this virus won't be like that. And Princess Diana, who the country revered, I'll go so far as to say they nearly worshipped her. There was something that stood out about this princess. She was different. She had time for the people. She had time for children. She certainly wasn't the usual royalty. And Princess Diana there in the early 80s did something remarkable. There was a hospital opened in London. Now, don't, I don't know the name of it. You can look it up on your Google for information if you want to follow this wee illustration up. And Princess Diana went into this AIDS hospital. And there she shook the hand of a man who was dying of AIDS. She didn't belittle him. She was earnest. She had been warned, listen, this is a bit we're not so sure. And Diana says, I'm doing it. And there was in front of the world's television cameras that handshake with a man, I think, who passed away weeks later that was the illustration I thought that I could give you here that man was in a desperate desperate situation with that disease of AIDS and this man with the leprosy a sorry sight dreadful no one had any time for him no one ever touched him because nobody would go near him. If he'd had a wife, his wife, I'm sure, was away. If he had children, he wouldn't have been knowing what a hug was or an embrace. If he had friends, there wasn't friends to shake his hands and say hello. You see, I got you, dear friends, there a few moments ago to shake hands. What did that mean to you? What did that mean to you? I could have turned around and said, or just said, you know, just turn around, folks, and say hello to the person. That would have been all right, wouldn't it? 
But isn't there something more when a touch comes? We witnessed on Lord's Day morning here Pastor Ken and Pastor Arne taking the time to shake the hand of 150 people. That meant a lot to the people. You see, there's something about whenever you touch, it goes a little further, doesn't it? Easy to say hello and wave, but when you shake the hand, you're meaning it. And you're drawing near. The Lord Jesus Christ wanted to draw near to this desperate creature of a man. And can I say to you, dear friends, that whatever the situation is, your life tonight, and I don't know what it is, and it's none of my business, but God knows what it is in your life tonight. Whether it's health, marital, someone going on in them workplace, I don't know. God knows. And you can draw near to God tonight because he's the one that draws near to the sufferer. Would you do it? You see, I like the way the leper starts out his conversation. If thou wilt. I don't think the leper was ever doubting that Christ couldn't heal him. I think it's more like perhaps was he willing to do it for him? Because the leper didn't know Christ. He maybe he might have heard a few things, as we've said earlier. Yes, he might have heard a few things about him. Maybe he saw the stir, heard the excitement of the crowd, and somebody says, It's, it's, it's the Savior, it's the Lord coming through, it's the Lord. And maybe that could be the case. Certainly the leper wouldn't have had a personal relationship with him. But of course the Lord knew about it. And the Lord knows the leper. And he knows you, dear friend. He knows me. And he knows right now what it is in your life that needs a touch. The divine touch. Which is much more powerful than a human touch. If thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. What a response from the Lord. I will. I will. It wasn't, I have to think about it. It wasn't, let me go down a mile or two down here, come back and talk with you. Wasn't that? No. It was straight to the point. I will. Be thou clean. I can tell you, dear friends, there's something about this touch. The significance of this touch is important. It showed that the Lord drew near to a desperate situation. It showed that the Lord, full of compassion, had an interest in this person that no one else had interest in at all. And this touch was reaching out. Remember that the Lord didn't always touch when he healed and did the miracles. The leper enjoyed a privileged touch here as he was cleansed from this awful, awful disease. Well, the Lord touched him. It says as soon as he had spoken, immediately, not six months, not a year, but immediately, the leprosy departed from him. I was reading a commentator who was making some comments on this, this immediate healing. He pictured himself, the hair back. He pictured the eyebrows back. He pictured perhaps a hand that had been crooked, straightened. 
Fingers that were stubs were replaced. Feet were, that were probably hobbled on and sore and twisted were straightened out. You see, whenever the Lord heals, the Lord heals right. There's no half measures. It's perfect healing. Perfect restoration. I would say this man leapt for joy. Says that the leprosy departed from him. And he was cleansed. You know, I've taken this wee verse here in the gospel many times because it also speaks of our salvation. How sin immediately goes on confession and acceptance of Christ into our heart. That moment when we repent, that moment when we come under the cleansing stream, it's quicker than that hand clap. A glorious and wonderful transaction has been done. Hallelujah. It speaks of salvation, but it also speaks of restoration here for this leper. He was restored to what he once was. Out of the misery and into normality. Christ is wonderful, you know. I wonder, dear friend, would he be wonderful for you tonight? I wonder, would you know the touch of Christ? I wonder. Would it be that he wishes to draw near to you, dear friend? Would it be tonight? Something that's burdening you? Something that's stealing your joy, stealing your peace? I want to share something with you, dear friends. Pastor Ken knows exactly what I'm going to say here. I got a phone call last Thursday night. Knocked the heart out of me. The days were in, you know. And the brother said to me, Ronnie, he says, I have something to say to you. And I says, what is it, brother? He says, I can't have you back at the church. And I says, well, what have I done? What have I said? He says, I have no problem with your ministry. I have no problem with your preaching of the gospel. He says, let me say something to you, he says. If I ask you back into this church, he says, the eyes will roll roll at me and I will get abuse second to none because I don't want that style of preaching anymore here. I don't know about you, Ken. I cry. I'm, I'm a weeper. I can't help it. I spent for an hour. I didn't cry on the phone, but I was on the phone for an hour. This is what I said to my brother. I want to say something to you. I'm coming off the phone. I says, you make sure you put on the platform who the Lord wants. I'm not what man wants. Don't be a man pleaser. We left in good terms. That was seven years. I thank God for the opportunity to bring the gospel there and the minister, but I'll not be back. There's others. The diary's getting less and less. When you preach the blood, you're not wanted anymore. Thanks be to God we're wanted here. And the devil got in. Oh, man, he got in. He gets in, you know, and there's quietness. Everybody was away to bed. The wind was howling outside last Thursday night. And the devil come. And this is what he said. See? You're useless. I don't want you anymore. And you're probably going to sit in your seat with a big boy like you, like you there. With all your experience, Simon says to me, you'll not be nervous tonight. I'm as nervous as I'm here tonight standing here. I'm always nervous when I preach. The man told Simon, you tell your father this. He says, it's good that he's nervous. He's doing it for the Lord and it's not doing it for man. It's not carnal. I do be up nervous. 
I preach many's a place and many's 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 a country, but I still be nervous. You're saying to yourself, you big boy, crying, but I tell you something. I weep that night. You know why I weeped? It wasn't because I wasn't getting back. I weeped because of the state we're in in these days. I, I'm not back. I'm not back. But listen, dear friends, this is a place that once warmly welcomed the preachers of the gospel. The ministers who ministered through doctrine and edified souls and built children up and built men and women up in their faith. And now they want to be entertained. And let me tell you, it's no different than their thrashes on the television and the soapbox. Pure rubbish. Accepting homosexuality, accepting lesbianism, accepting abortion. Listen, I don't want to be part of anything like that. That's from the pit of hell. But if they're going to stop the man going in that preaches against it, well then what hope is there? If there was ever a touch needed from God tonight, it's for the churches in this province. And if there's ever a touch needed, it's the protecting touch of of Almighty God and that blood upon the preachers that are diligent and stalwart in bringing the gospel that should be preached. Praise God, it's here. Can I say to you, dear friends, don't you take this for granted here. Be thankful unto Almighty God that you have men here that stand here, two pastors that are firm and diligent in the truth. Men that I have heard over the last Tuesday nights here, stand up here, strengthened and stalwart in the word. Praise God for them. And the sisters. Don't forget the sisters. The significance of the touch. Oh, dear friends, do we need the touch tonight? You know, we looked at the sight of the Savior as he came through to the lepers. What about the sight of the leper here? Well, we don't see a man down with a hood over his head. We don't see him crippling along. And No. We see a man here transformed and delivered out of the decay and onto life again. I will. And he did it. Praise God. There's something about a touch, isn't there? Something about a touch. I said I had another wee story for you. I read this today. It broke my heart. The sisters' meeting's on tomorrow night, as you know. And there was a story told over in England about a sisters' meeting. And this wee girl, she wasn't married, but she'd had a baby. And uh, she didn't have anybody to look after the baby. The mom or the father was away. As often as the case. She was struggling. And she came to the sisters' meeting. And she really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the singing. And there were those that said hello and got a cup of tea. She came back the next week. She came back the next week. She came back the next week. And then the next week, at the front door, was the minister. He says, hello. She says, hello. He says, I have to talk to you. She says, right. Come on over here, love. He says, I can't let you in. She looked at him. She says, what have I done? He says, I can't let you in, he says. He says, all the other women are complaining. They don't want you. And I have to think about myself here in my position. She says, sir, 
I know I'm a sinner. She says, I'm a sinner. I know. She says, at least could you paint me somewhere a sinner can go to have some fellowship. And he couldn't. She turned with the baby in her arms and went into the night. touch of Christ is for everyone. And dare any man or woman put their hand upon any word and make a judgment. Where would you and I be without the touch of the Lord tonight? There's a good end to this story. But just as she went round the corners, tears going down her eyes, there were two Salvation Army ladies out they saw her. They stopped with her. And they brought her down to the local Salvation Army building and got her a cup of tea and got her a blanket round her, listened to her, and they welcomed her. And she started to go there, praise God. It was even better. Four weeks later, she accepted Christ as her Savior. You and I wouldn't have wanted the leper about us. But Christ did. And Christ had time for him. And Christ's touch was upon him. The very least, the very last person that ever you would have thought a touch from Christ would have come. So for you and I, dear friends, there's a great hope tonight. Because that touch is available for you and me right now. He's longing to reach out with his hand, descended upon your lowly brow, knowing your situation. Maybe tonight you're cold at heart, I don't know. Maybe tonight you're under attack of the devil, I don't know. Maybe tonight there's circumstances, I don't know. But the touch is there for you, dear friend. The touch is there for you. <coughs> Pray it in. Pray it in. And then finally, Psalm 145 and verse 16 says these words. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. He's the one with the open hand, reaching and willing to touch. Now there was a sixth point. You can actually take a whole meeting in this sixth point. Well, give me one more minute. Because what I had as the sixth point was the scars from cruel man's touch. There's a saying up in County Tyrone when something happens or something rough comes upon a person, they would say, he got an awful touch or she had an awful touch. You sometimes would hear it in the hospital. If in the, I've heard it in casually, or any, and an accident victim has come in, wheeled in. I heard a couple of relatives got an awful touch, an awful touch. I can tell you there was one got an awful touch, all right. It was your saviour and my saviour. You know, Mark 14, verse 46 says these words, and I often come to it. Was this where it all started? Nobody had ever laid a hand on Christ. The only ones that had laid a hand on Christ was his mother. She nursed him and lifted him out of the cradle. Joseph, as he held his hand, and maybe put his hand on his shoulder and 
told him well done as he worked at the furniture. But no one really else had laid their hands on Christ. But look what happens here. And they laid their hands on him and took him. There's a wee verse you can ponder on. I love to ponder on verses. See that one there? Can you picture it? This is when he was about to go under an awful touch. A man, and God allowed it, was about to unleash the most brutal, heinous, indescribable torment and torture and abuse upon Christ and his body ever known to man. And every scar, every mark, every imprint on Christ's body, you and I will gaze upon it one day, dear friend, when the Lord will say, I bore this all for you so that you might not have to go into hell. Someday we'll have the privilege of touching the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can only do that because he was the one that was touched brutally, and God allowed it to suffer, to shed his precious blood, that we might know the forgiveness of sin. Listen, dear friends. We'll see the scars one day. Are you ready for it? When he says, I did this for you. What a savior. Isn't it amazing? He reached down and touched the leper. came down to earth for you and me rescued us plucked us as a brand from the burning fire and isn't it wonderful that we have a great future ahead in and through Christ and by him he's the one with the touch the touch of Christ beyond description thank God for it And may you reach out for it tonight, dear friend. Maybe tonight is your night when you will enjoy the touch of the Lord in your life. For whatever reason, God knows. Amen.